Yvonne Doherty, welcome to the Wolf Brothers podcast. Uh, I don't know why Daryl's laughing. But... I don't know, it's just cool to actually have Yvonne on finally. Yeah, we're used to doing um, yeah, yeah, exactly. meetings for Wolf Academy on Zoom, so this is uh, strange to be doing a podcast. But um, yeah, so Yvonne, I suppose I met you first back, Jesus, I don't know when it was, maybe 2016, 2017 maybe. Yeah. Um, when you, I think it was at uh, Pizza Sunday Club when you came down once or twice or a couple of times anyway, um, maybe it was more. But that's I suppose when I met you first, and then you went, you were traveling in New Zealand and Australia, and I was traveling in Canada, and I kind of we were just on Instagram. Maybe I think I follow I was following you at the time, so I was seeing what you were doing, and then when I got home, I reached out to you just about Wolf Academy because I thought it might be something you'd be interested in and then I suppose since then you've been working with us and helping us with everything from the website to um, delivering Hold, workshops. Holding us together. Yeah, keeping <laughs> us on our toes. But um, so I suppose, yeah, it's um, been great to have you working alongside us and to become friends as well. And um, I suppose just for the listeners, I suppose me and Daryl probably know the story already, but just for the listeners, maybe seeing as we do talks in schools and stuff, maybe if you wanted to bring us back to when you were in school and how things were for you and what life was like for that, Yvonne, at that age. Mm-hmm. Terrible is <laughs> the word that comes to mind first. Um, I find school really difficult, not in terms of academics by any means. That was always something that came quite natural to me, um, which unfortunately isn't always celebrated by your peers. But yeah, around yeah that age of like the students that we go into around TY that kind of 15 16 years of age I found that so challenging because it was around that time I'd always been a gymnast I'd always been really into that and I quit gymnastics then only to realize that I'd become heavily identified with being a gymnast and then when I quit that there's a whole lot of nothing else to me that I could connect with so I felt very lost very anxious um no real confidence and I always felt like I didn't fit in like there was something kind of wrong with me or different that I couldn't really connect with people in school and things like that can you just hear me okay there so um yeah it was around that time I started developing anxiety and um, I became quite depressed as well and with that kind of loss of connection to myself and loss of a sense of self I started getting very focused on what seemed to be important in order to be accepted and to get approval and that kind of thing which to me, it seemed to be appearance and that seemed to be where I could maybe get some sense of worth from or maybe I could be liked or maybe I'd feel confident about myself if I looked a certain way or if I came across a certain way. So around that time, I started getting very fixated on my body and how that looked and started trying to alter it and trying to change it and trying to take control of it in a sense as well. So I developed an eating disorder around that time. And that was kind of my experience in school up until I left was just struggling with those different aspects with my body, with my mind. Hugely, I was very negative and critical on myself and I was afraid to talk to people about it because I was afraid some of that would spill out and people would hear and they'd hear all these crazy things I think about myself or how I was judging myself. And I'd have panic attacks quite regularly trying to get into school and just even showing up and being there. I found it quite difficult just to exist in that place because I felt like I just didn't want to be there and part of me felt invisible and found nearly solace in that and part of me was like nobody would even notice if I wasn't here and really struggled with that so yeah school was quite difficult 
and I was just dying to get out of there and like I didn't do TY or things like that because I was like no I just need to leave ASAP and I was only 17 then when I was leaving because that's just I started school when I was four and then trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and all of those kind of things was just terrifying in a sense but it felt like well you should know everyone else knows everyone is going to college everyone is taking this next step or ticking this next box and I felt really under pressure to try and figure that out as well as try and get through the leave insert and try and deal with all that exam stress and all of that kind of thing so not a great time <laughs> to sum it up cheers um and i suppose yeah um that's something you share when you're in school with talking to young people and i think especially what we've seen recently with some of the the girls we were in a mixed school there two weeks ago in Limerick and there was a lot of the the girls really resonating with your story so I feel like is that something you see more prevalent at the minute um with young young women that um kind of body image thing and maybe young men as well actually but what's your kind of perspective on that at the minute yeah it definitely seems to be a huge issue even in the one-to-one work I do it is a lot of like I work with people experiencing eating disorders now as well or eating stress as I prefer to say nobody's disordered and I don't believe that anyone is disordered we're trying to deal with things and this is the only way we can kind of connect to so it is around that age it's 15 16 that people are just coming into me predominantly girls but boys are experiencing it as well and um, they're maybe just not talking about it as much which is obviously an issue that we're aware of but I think what happens is just we're I suppose at that age, you're kind of trying to gain that sense of identity. You're trying to figure out who you are and you're looking outside of yourself to try and piece that together. And we're looking outside to other people. Well, what do people think of me when I do this? Or how am I being received when I'm doing this? How can I make sure I'm being accepted? How can I connect with my peers? And a lot of the focus, they're all in the same kind of boat and none of them are really speaking about how hard it is, but a lot of the focus is on how you're appearing or what you look like on social media. That's exacerbated it so much, I think. And that fear of judgment, that fear of rejection, because we just want to belong. We just want to feel like we're okay to be here as we are. But if we don't know who we are, then we're trying to figure out other ways to feel like we're okay to be here. And I think that tends to be outsourced to things that seem important to the tribe, which are unfortunately appearance or looks or stuff like that, that is kind of celebrated and magnified in these ways when we are looking at social media. So I think it is, oh God, it breaks my heart sometimes. It's so hard to be a young person nowadays. And there is a lot that they are dealing with. And there's a lot of these thoughts that I would have said to myself that I hear clients or young people saying back and it's so negative and it's so harsh and it's it's really painful as well to be listening to that day in and day out but it just seems like there isn't that connection to themselves as being okay in who they are there isn't that connection with what makes them who they are what makes them unique and different and individual it's it's very hard to seem to get a tangible hold on that at that age I think. What you're saying there Yvonne I was I've just been thinking with the body image, it all, I think you touched on it, it all comes down to, it's, it's when we start looking at ourselves through other people's eyes, mm. through the eyes of social media. So it's, again, um, focusing so much on what everyone else thinks and not what we think. And I was talking to someone the other day, and I was like, the influence comes from people around us, social media, but also everything in the media in terms of there was this person who was quite embarrassed of stretch marks. And I was like, I remember seeing ads and stuff for bio oil or whatever to, to get rid of these stretch marks. So it's like everything is showing you that 
you shouldn't have these in your appearance, these different things, because there's all these remedy instead of embracing the yeah. stretch marks or the scar from what part of your life that is from. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it's a rabbit hole that I don't want to go too deep down because this is why it's real resonating with what you were saying there. And like Cormac said, it is with men as well, the yeah. body image and the appearance um, with young people, but also right up the way to our age people in their late 20s, early 30s and beyond. Yeah. It's just a huge thing now with um, the way things are. And what I was wondering is, when you were struggling with that yourself, um, what was the turning point? Or was there a turning point? I know there might not be an exact one, but when was it that things started to change and how did that happen for you? I think for me, it was getting to a rock bottom. Um, I am somewhat of a stubborn person and I do tend towards the idea of I can do this all on my own and I need to figure it out myself. So it did take me quite a while to embrace help around it. And I just kept thinking, no, it'll be fine when, or I'll be better when, or I'll stop this when, when I get to a certain point or when I'm skinny enough or when I, whatever. And it was always this kind of someday, but it did just get to a point where like, I wasn't leaving the house a lot of the time. I didn't feel able to, cause I was afraid of people seeing me like that, seeing me through my eyes as disgusting gross horrible useless worthless they were things that would just like trip off the tip of my tongue about myself and that's how I perceived myself so it was probably when I was about 18 um when I was thinking about like suicide to be honest I was just thinking I can't do this anymore and it was my 18th birthday when I kind of vocalized that um unintentionally because I was blackout drunk at the time but it was on my birthday and I was celebrating and I was telling my brother just about how I couldn't do this anymore and I can't live like this I can't I hate my life and I hate myself and all of these things are coming out and then my parents came to pick me up and I was telling them all the same things in more detail and these thoughts have been going around my head for quite some time like it wasn't news to me I knew that I didn't feel equipped for life but in telling other people and in that kind of unintentionally coming out then we started getting help but again I was very reluctant about it so it did take me a while to actually get that turning point of okay it is possible to change this I was kind of going because I felt like I should be going or my parents want me to get help and I don't want them to be worried or upset or things like that. Um, and it did take trying a few different therapists to actually really make progress. And it was when I did go to, it was like the sixth or seventh person that I'd seen that I actually saw people. So everyone who worked in the center that I went to, Marino Therapy Center, they had actually fully recovered from an eating disorder themselves. And they were that light of hope. And I think that's where the shift happened, where I could see maybe this isn't just something that's inherently wrong with me because that's kind of the story that you're given you have a chemical imbalance or like you need to take this medication or this is the label that you have and you're putting these little boxes of this is who you are now or and for me I had no sense of identity so I was identifying with these labels as well as like oh I have this I have this I have this problem I'm broken and I messed up until I started seeing people who had also thought they were broken and messed up and now who are fully free of any of those labels and they're actually living in a way that seemed so inspiring and so beautiful and authentic and real and liberated and when I saw that to be honest the first time I went I was like I'm never going back there again because it scared me <laughs> the idea of actually being like that as well and I wasn't sure about it but I did go back because I think when I said that my mom burst into tears because that was like kind of felt like our last chance our last hope in going to this place um but I did end up going back and then I did start to realize if it's attainable for them, maybe even just that tiny little chink of light was coming through that maybe I could do that as well. 
and that ended up being what really motivated me to fully do it to fully recover was well then maybe I can actually use this now to be that light of hope for other people and that meant a lot more to me than maybe doing it for myself at some point but that is kind of what carried me through then hmm. something you said there so when you noticed um that that place could be the place that might help you and you were still resistant mm. you think that some people when they're in the shit or when they're suffering from an eating disorder or a self-loading or addiction or whatever it is that a lot of the time people are reluctant to come out of that because they are so attached to their pain yeah um and might be on one level saying they want the help but deep down actually are very comfortable in that shit and and want to stay there do you think that that's a, a thing definitely yeah it's familiar and even in with these things like these like I would see an eating distress or anxiety panic attacks depression even I see them as like coping mechanisms or ways of reacting to life so by having that in place I was giving myself a way of coping and the idea of maybe that disappearing I didn't know that I'd be able to deal without it so we can get very attached to these ways of being even if they are so destructive and so painful at least we know they sort of work for us on some level I'm kind of okay in this place as well as that in that time and things that I've reflected on later I was terrified of life I was so afraid of living life and this kind of gave me a way to not have to fully show up and take responsibility for my life now we're not thinking that consciously at the time we don't try and create these things to avoid life but at that time I thought well I don't know how to do this I can't do this I was afraid of growing up I was afraid of taking on anything that felt like I might actually have to stand up on my own two feet and so having this problem I didn't have to do that so there was a kind of resistance of growing up in a sense and becoming my own person and all of those things because I didn't think I was equipped to deal with the responsibility that came with it I wasn't sure I could handle the outcomes that might come when I started to do that so yeah there would be resistance and to me, it makes a lot of sense. And when I do speak to people experiencing the same things, the, the condition we'd call it, instead of just eating disorder, because it doesn't matter, it's just condition, um, it can nearly seem like a, an old companion. It's something that was always there for you. It's something that you can always use. And it is kind of hard to let go of that. But at the same time, it is just something that was doing a job for you. And when we can make it redundant or transform its job into something more productive or resourceful, then you don't have to still have it, but you know that you are capable of living without it. So it is about building up those resources within you to know, oh, actually, I don't need that anymore. And then it's much easier to let go. But it's, it's a very, very gradual process, especially when these things tend to go on for years and years. Yeah, it was beautifully, Vaughn. And I, I think, like, I agree with absolutely everything you said. And what made it easy, no, that's the wrong word. What really helped me or has been helping me is by just literally accepting that I was comfortable in very uncomfortable situations at times and, and honoring that, honoring the fact that the alcohol, for example, was helping me at that time because the reason I was doing it is because I had no other skills or tools at the time. And by honoring that, instead of hating and rejecting and wishing I never did it, has really, really massively helped me move forward. So if there is anyone listening that's at, like, I find asking that question, because some people are like, I can't, I just can't seem to stop. I can't say, like, ask yourself, are you comfortable and happy to be in that? Because yeah. sometimes it's just by asking that question and being honest with yourself, 
you know, and not having the pride and just being like, shit, I actually am. I, I kind of do want to be the victim or whatever it is. Mm. By just admitting that to yourself, I think it can propel you forward on the, the change because by not admitting it and leaving it there at the back, it's it's it has so much control because it's not being honored or looked at or respected. Yeah. Um, and it's just an aspect of of being human is wanting mm. to have something to attach to um whether it is serving us or not so thank you very much for that that was mm. really good to listen to and just to kind of add to that as well i think that this is just my perspective obviously but it seems in ireland maybe we were, were more attached to that victim mentality because we just we've always nearly for well not always but for like hundreds of years we've been maybe the victim of like oppressors and we just mm-hmm that's the role we know and it's like ingrained in us and we just we love to give out about the weather we just love it like it doesn't matter if it's it's pissing rain or if it's really sunny we'll give out that's too hot like we just we love that victim because we're just not like a lot of irish people like obviously this is a generalization but i just feel a lot of us just aren't comfortable being happy like for too long because it's like we have to just complain we have to find something so maybe there's something in that kind of Mm -hmm. in our history that just makes us resort to victim every time because that's all we know and we're like we don't know what it means to be the hero of the story or the you know the fully in control of your life person because then well that's where the responsibility comes i suppose when you're the victim you can you can blame and you can yeah. give out about circumstances but when you take a full responsibility then that's i suppose that is a tough tougher road in some ways which is i suppose yeah it's, it's really interesting to kind of mm. look at it from that view um that was just what I wanted to add to that. Yeah, and I think even the kind of scarcity and the lack that we've experienced and even that begrudgery to other people who are doing well, I think it is scary to kind of shine and to be like in your own power because like, well, other people it'll bring up their insecurities and they'll try and tear me down. I think there's some of that that's happening as well. And I think there is a shift though happening. I think people are moving more towards collaboration and competition and allowing space for people to grow and rise. I think that's happening more now, but it's definitely deeply ingrained in us to maybe not do that as our default. Massively. And what I was thinking there is like you often say when you're in the schools and stuff, um, the fear that you would have had speaking up in front of people and stuff. And now you're getting up in front of probably, yeah, thousands of students at this stage um, and different people doing talks like how, because I'm sure a lot of people, like people have often said to me anyway, like, how do you have the confidence to speak and do that and say this and be honest? I said, like, well, it didn't happen overnight. Mm. You know, it's like, and I don't think that happens for anyone overnight. Well, maybe the very odd few, but it's one of the biggest fears yeah. of humans is public speaking. So where was your journey? Like how, what were the first steps for you in terms of being open and honest in front of people? Because I, I do feel if we had a society where Honesty was, let alone, um, what's the word? Let alone encouraged. If it was accepted, people don't want to accept honesty because it makes them uncomfortable too. So, like, if we are in a society where honesty was encouraged, accepted, I do feel that it would end an awful lot of suffering for people. Some people, just by being honest, could actually end years of suffering, if not a lifetime of suffering. But for you, where did that open, honest conversation start? Because I'm sure that that was probably one of the main steps on your road to recovery and 
just expressing and being able to do what you do today? Yeah, I think a few things are coming to mind. I think without maybe realizing it for a long time, expression is one of my highest values. Can't help myself now. I love speaking and I would have done it a lot through writing um, throughout my journey and stuff and getting things out in that way. And I felt such a sense of relief when I did start talking to therapists or counselors or people along the way. I felt like a weight was being lifted and I felt a lot of solace in that. I was like, oh, I can actually get this out and this can be held by someone else. I don't need to keep it all to myself. So I felt like there was that relief, I suppose, that came with that. And vulnerability, funnily enough, became very important to me along the way. Um, something that I still find challenging now occasionally. But along my journey, I would have watched Brene Brown multiple times. And I probably quote her still like constantly. And she was quite inspiring to me because she speaks about vulnerability and authenticity is another one of my highest values. And authenticity we need to have vulnerability we need to be able to connect and it was when I kind of had that in my mind that I wanted to use my experience to help other people someday I knew there's no point holding back because I didn't want anyone to feel shame about their experience I didn't want them to think oh she's got all her shit together or whatever or like she's always been grand or anything like that that would be a waste of the valuable experience that I'd gotten so I thought I have to be real and I have to be honest and I have to again be that light of hope that I wanted to be for other people that I had gotten to see the only way to do that I think is to be real and is to be open and to hope for the best I suppose after that but it was just kind of mainly being in alignment with my values that really got me to the place of like this is important for me to share and it's important for other people to know that they're not alone because Jesus so many people think oh there's something wrong with me or I'm so different or I'm so weird and if they only knew how many other people were thinking the exact same things as them or feeling those exact same ways or going through those same struggles God would be so much more connected and would realize there's so much more to each of us than just appearance of those like first glimpses we have of each other it really is the birthplace of connection of joy of creativity and change and authenticity so yeah just it was valuing these things I think that allowed me to put them out there and not easy um but like that I do believe worthwhile and so where there is something that's worthwhile um I think my, if my values are in it I need to be pushing that forward so even things like courage and stuff just came up where I like feel the fear and do it anyway put it out there and hope for the best or this is important to me and honestly it's something I've always found very important when I was a kid like I could not <laughs> tell a lie or couldn't break a promise like those things I feel it like in my bones I would not be able to do that so it's just it's part of who I've discovered myself to be as well I think cool and i'm just interested it just came to mind my mind there like when you're doing say one-on-one -on -one sessions with people it's nearly more curiosity from my own because i'm doing a bit of one-on-ones as well so like how do you bring that into your sessions in terms of because there's a balance maybe of not just sharing your story when you're focusing on the client i'm aware if you're coaching you know you're asking questions and you're not sharing your story but do you how do you bring in that authenticity into your, your speaking or listening? And like, have you seen the power of that? Because I know I felt it when someone is just really there with you, like, re and really just showing themselves. That's like allows you to just open as well. So how's how does that come into your your one on one work? I think the word that kind of was coming to my mind is just invalidation when people are sh sharing things like well that makes complete sense and I would have done the same thing or I would have thought those things as well and I don't need to tell a whole lot about it but even quite often just speak in the same language because like that so many things that come to session it is like a, a younger version of me like I've said all these things I've experienced all these things I get it and when we're thinking oh I'm so different or nobody likes me I'm all of those kind of things like yeah no I hear you and I really hear you 
because that's the kind of thing I would have said to myself or that's a kind of thought I would have had recurrently or yeah I assumed everyone didn't like me as well it's it's in just those little things where I think it is just that validation of Jesus yeah I get it and I know that and I'm not bullshitting you and I haven't just read a book about you that's what I felt a lot of time in therapy where people are just like oh maybe you fit into this kind of category based on the symptoms you're describing but I never wanted to be that kind of person I want to be real and open and like that if they have any questions about my own journey I'm an open book like saying I'm not necessarily bringing it all the time but a lot of people do come to me because they know that I have kind of been through it as well so they know I've fully recovered and that kind of thing so they have some of the story I suppose covered but yeah like that in session is just those little things of yeah <laughs> I've been there and I get it and I can change mm, yeah and I think I think that's just so powerful when you can do that because I think even recently I just had a one-on-one with a fella and I just listened to him like and as you said validated his story and he was just like I've never been able to say this to anyone and I'm like just just being able to hold that space and just with like none no judgment whatsoever just seeing his soul I was like and his heart and just being like yeah that's I understand and that's so powerful I think just in a healing sense as well like you know there's loads of different healing modalities but just actually being listened to mm-hmm. without judgment uh, is fucking it's amazing so yeah fair play for that work that you are doing um yeah, yeah. and I think like with the work like comment in your one-on-ones you in your one-on-ones showing up to meet someone from that place of non-judgment like allowing your own i suppose ego to get out of the way on like in a coaching session for example of what you're going to do what you're going to say and just being there and being mm. present yeah. and i feel why people open up to that energy is because they feel well they feel it they might not know what it is or why it is that they're being mm. so open but it's because the person is fully there to receive do you know and yeah it, that's why i think a lot of that stuff comes down to your intention behind it mm. it's unsaid it's unsaid it's just mm-hmm. it's just i feel an energy and and people are very receptive to that kind of thing unbeknownst to ourselves mm-hmm. like i'd be the same like if i'm speaking with someone and i'm really opening up and i don't really know them i'm like i kind of know then i'm like okay this person is no, I don't want to say this person is a good person, but like this person is is really listening. Mm, yeah. You know, and I know that myself through my own expression because I'm being so open. Because I've noticed that I wouldn't be mm. around people that maybe are only half there. Nothing against them, you know, nothing against them whatsoever. It's just that's mm. the kind of thing I notice. And yeah, that's what I wanted to say on that. There was um, another thing you kind of mentioned. Like with all these modalities that there is out there, whether it's meditation or breathwork or visualization or journaling or um, these kind of things, cold water therapy, um, we we all value very highly our daily habits, our daily routines. How important do you feel they are in your life? Um interesting you say that I feel like I am not <laughs> I could see the smile I was like I'm touching on something here. <laughs> uh I'm very inconsistent with daily things um and I'm getting more into it but in my recovery it would have been very important and then I think maybe as I've like kind of not been so heavily I suppose in the work in a sense obviously I'm still always doing stuff but 
back kind of, I'll speak to my journey then and then I'll speak about now. Um, but then it would have been affirmations were huge for me, like daily. And I was constantly doing them or give myself credit every day or gratitude or what am I learning today? So there would be, yeah, maybe journaling prompts and questions and things. I think now um, I have had an interesting rela relationship with discipline <laughs> versus freedom, freedom being my highest value. And I've struggled to kind of be like, oh, I need to do this every day or I need to go to this every day. Um, something that I do do quite regularly now actually is CrossFit and I've gotten into that and I'll do that like three or four times a week and that's something that I do show up to very regularly and I can see the difference it makes I know these habits do help and I can see when I do those things or the last few days I've been doing Vipassana meditation every day like a half an hour and I've really been enjoying that I think my challenge is making the time for myself because I'm always doing a lot of things <laughs> just in general um, I'm constantly trying to like learn stuff or working or like coming up with ideas or creative things or whatever that I feel like those things do nourish me in another way that maybe the self-care habits go by the wayside in a sense but I feel like I am still tuned into myself throughout how I show up to different things as well I'm not sure if that really answered your question or skirted around it a little bit but <laughs> no that's good and and another thing is I think people get too bogged down myself included on thinking that the self-care has to be meditation breath work or whatever it is like mm -hmm. yes i do do these things on a daily basis but what you said the creative things if you're giving your full attention to creating a flyer or creating a poem or whatever it is you're doing like that's self-care that's yeah. meditation do you know what i mean yeah like you can be cleaning your room, but do it in a meditative way by being absolutely present with each thing you're doing, like the, the feel of the jumper, the smell of the room. Hopefully it's nice. But like, <laughs> you know, just all these things, we can weave the self-care into what we kind of have to do during the day anyway, because so like, there's no excuse, you know, like mm. to, to not get the time to, to just be present. I think self-care is being present. And yeah. we can do that with anything that we're doing if we really just shift our perspective in that way with it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's maybe not so much that I don't have habits, it's that I don't have a particular routine around the habits I do. I do always do stuff for myself, but yeah, it's not like I don't have a set morning routine yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday, but it is, yeah, it is those little moments throughout the day where I'm like, I'm going to go get coffee or I'm going to go to the sea or I'm going to read my book or I'm going to, yeah, even doing posts and stuff like that. Like that's me expressing, which has been in touch with my values, which to me is kind of filling up my own cup in a sense. So yeah, it takes different forms exactly yeah and i think me and daryl are probably very maybe it's a more masculine like regimented like this is what i'm gonna do every day and it doesn't matter like and then there's obviously the more feminine flow side of it which you tend to like seem to be more like feeling into what you want to do which yeah. again it's always to try to find that balance between the two like have for me anyway it's because like at the minute i'm doing doing stuff every morning but it's not as regimented it's kind of sometimes i go with how i feel but then there's the trap of like avoiding doing a long meditation because you're just not asked you don't want to sit with yourself and then there's like the self-care and then there's doing the work with the meditation where you're like sitting there with the uncomfortable stuff that keeps coming up so it's just yeah for me i don't know it's this constant like a balancing act but uh yeah. i think i'm finding like I find, yeah, things kind of come to an end and then I start a new cycle and kind of refresh what I'm doing just to mix it up. But um, for me as well, I think that meditation in the morning, um, 
like you're saying half an hour and think I remember when I was meditating for half an hour in the morning that was when I was at like my best in terms of just how I was feeling and how present I was and just getting back to that yeah. um, but even this morning there I had to like really be conscious of slowing myself down because I was like oh I need to you know do the gym and then get home and do work that's like a pattern for me it's like oh there's loads of stuff to do but then I was just like no slow down do your gym properly do every mm-hmm. set don't be skipping anything mm-hmm. I always have Wayne in my head as well the guy who gave me the gym program <laughs> you just the like, way <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah it's just a funny balancing act but uh something else I wanted to kind of move towards was um I suppose whenever we're going in the car to like a talk or something we talk a lot about different maybe people who are reading or like a lot of spiritual teachers and stuff like that um and i suppose you're you're kind of on we're all on our own sort of spiritual journey in a sense so how has that been for you that kind of move into the the realm of um you're more than just your mind and you're more than your physical body physical body and yeah <laughs> how has that been for you yeah that's been a big learning something I feel really passionate about and something that I'm just yeah constantly wanting to learn more about and grow more into it was an aspect like in recovery we kind of would have looked at mental physical emotional spiritual I remember spiritual being like but, but what do you mean by that and like what even is that and is this religion like what are we talking about and with those little seeds that were planted there and the idea of connection to yourself connection to enoughness connection to maybe something greater than you did resonate and I'd always would have had this kind of um belief I suppose in the universe and the universe has your back and I didn't know exactly what I meant by that but I did feel this kind of sense that I am um supported in some way or I can communicate or set intention in some way and I will receive that back in some sense like at different times like when I was in the height of it as well as looking up stuff on YouTube and it was Buddhism that really stood out to me and I was like oh this is interesting and I got a lot from that I really learned so much from that um from Ajahn Brahm is my favorite monk <laughs> he gave me so much wisdom but then even moving away from that it was getting into like Eckhart Tolle or um Michael Singer and like all of these yeah and it's just this constant unfolding of this information which at the same time it's like it is kind of the same thing from different voices as well it tends to come back to the same kind of principles the same ideas and those kind of things and for me it is still trying to have that balance and act I think a lot of what I've noticed in myself is the wanting to avoid being human and kind of transcend these like human things kind of like around us is kind of talking about before it's like well you're here like take the curriculum and I'm like no I don't want to do that I want to always be zen and happy and all of these things and it's really embracing that humanness as well as knowing that there is more to it and you can tap into that more but what we're here for is to have this human experience and it is to be messy and imperfect and crying our eyes out and getting angry or whatever like all of that is part of it and I think through some of the things like that I would have delved into I was kind of like oh I just want to be in that state all the time I just want to be present constantly and then I'd be beating myself up if I wasn't or I'd get be getting frustrated when I'm not being in that place or when I'm not you know finding a higher meaning for certain things and I'd be getting annoyed at those kind of things but I think we are here to be human and those aspects of spirituality can open us up and can really support us but I think it is about integrating and bringing things together where it's it's enjoying both and I think that's a lot of what this experience is about is about knowing who you truly are and then kind of playing the role that you're here to play as well or being the human that you're here to be as well well knowing that it's it's all kind of made up in a sense (laughs) yes playing the game yeah 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 that's interesting I think um that seems to be something 
well, it probably happened to me as well when I started getting into the spiritual stuff. Yeah, you kind of want to. It's that kind of spiritual bypass and that start that you want to just, you know, go to the those happy places all the time without integrating the shit and the jealousy and the all this stuff you feel. Um, it's like, no, I'm more than this. I'm, you know, connected to everything. But uh, yeah, so that's just it's an interesting journey. And I like the way you kind of see it as like doing both. Um, but um, and as well, just remembering, I think for me, it really helps in those tough times when, you know, loads of shit's going wrong and say like, you're, well, nothing too major has gone wrong for me recently, but if still stuff started happening, I'd be like, okay, this is all just part of the game. There's obviously something to learn from this rather than just mm-hmm. getting so caught up and like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And that victim mentality that we talked about, it's kind of like, okay, if you can take the step back, like this is shit's happening for a reason. What's my lessons here and what can I learn? Maybe I'm, it's time for me to, you know, completely shift. So um, just given that perspective to life. And on that there, like exactly what you're saying, when that shit is there and taking the step back, that's where I feel the daily practice mm-hmm. runs in. Because if you have a daily practice, it gives you the chance to take the step back. Whereas if you don't, maybe you can anyway, but I know for me personally, when I don't do it, I'm lost in the shit mm. because the step back isn't coming. Do you know, it's when I have it in my mind that I'm going to, to do whatever it is that day, you know, that's where it gives me that chance to have a step back. Maybe there'll be a point where I'll be able to catch it every time I can at times, but not all the time. Do you yeah. know, and it's, mm. it's that practice. That's why mm. it's like, I notice when I don't do them rather than going through the day being like, Oh, I'm so happy I did that. It's the days I don't yeah. that I notice. Oh, gotcha. You know? So I suppose Yvonne, something obviously me and Daryl do a lot of is breathwork and you do yourself and you're also a breathwork coach. So how has breathwork, I suppose, helped shift things in your life? I know you're very committed to Ronan's um, breath wave on a Wednesday. So yeah. yeah, how has that, I suppose, impacted you and how have you found, how did you find it fitting into your, your journey? That's been huge and very unexpectedly. Um, I never liked <laughs> breath work or like things like that. I was as asthmatic as a child and I used to get very short of breath. And anytime there was a focus on my breath, it just reminded me of that, of that kind of panic. And then obviously panic attacks and stuff. The idea of focusing on my breath always just seemed to be associated with times when I felt kind of out of control or anxious. So the idea of doing breath work, can't say I was very enthusiastic about it initially, but I think you suggested it or I'd heard Ronan on the podcast or something like that. And I wanted to try it. And it is something that I don't think I've missed a Wednesday in, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or something. And like that, like I was saying earlier, I'm not too committed with practice. Actually, that's one that has really stuck and it's become like very important and nearly like ritual like in my practice. And I think the reason it's become so important is because a lot of the work I had done up until that point was mindset stuff. And it was changing my thinking or redirecting things. And I can do that no problem. I have no issue with mindset stuff and obviously working as a mindset coach. I know it's very important and it's very significant, but I think like I'm not just a mind. And I realize that there's so much going on beneath the surface that I actually hadn't really addressed. And breathwork for me allowed me to connect to my body and to actually hear what's going on under there. And it just opened up so much in me, like emotionally and connecting to myself and realization after realization after realization, just 
of all this kind of world that was within me that I hadn't really been connecting with. And sometimes he'd just say something and the flow of emotion that would come up. And for a long time it was coming up and I'd stop it. I, w- I didn't like experiencing the emotion fully or like that, try and think my way out of it. And it's like, oh, this is fine. Like I just think better thoughts or whatever. And I was suppressing mm-hmm. a lot until things just started really flowing. And I realized there's a whole load of other stuff under there as well that needs to be coming up and out. And breathwork was really the pathway to allowing stuff to rise up and to be released then as well in like really big ways. And sometimes I'd be hysterically laughing and sometimes I'd just be bawling or shaking or there's so much that in my body really needed to be released. And for someone who has done a lot of work and reconnecting with my body and feeling more at home in my body and changing the relationship, going from I hate this horrible thing and abusing it and harming it and all of that to loving it more so now even with all that kind of work I feel like now I've even got a whole other depth of connection to my body because of all these things I hadn't realized were stored in there and all of these things that it's been holding on to that I hadn't been paying attention to so I feel like long story short I feel like breathwork has really enriched my relationship with myself and allowed me to deepen it and to hold myself in a totally different way and to just really be present with myself a lot as well without having to fix or having to you know, think my way through things is actually just that presence with myself has been a really huge thing that's, yeah, made a big difference to me over the last couple of years. And with that newfound, like, deep level connection to yourself, do you find that that affects your relationships with other people? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, I think it always starts with the relationship we have with ourselves is going to dictate how we are relating to kind of anything in our world particularly other people but I think having that openness with myself and that kind of holding of myself that's been a big thing and even being more able to deal with like other people's emotions or getting less triggered even with other people or things like that where I'm getting reactive and the reason I'd be getting reactive is because there's a wound under there that I haven't been looking at and they've kind of rubbed a little salt in there whereas now I feel like I'm bringing up this stuff and healing this stuff and I can see in other people yeah, I think it is, is. You just get a more depth of understanding with others and more patience, I think, is a big one with me or like acceptance or not getting so attached to stuff as well. Or again, that idea of maybe trying to fix it. Or, oh, you you could do this or you could work on this. It's like, oh, just let them be as they are, like they're in their own stuff right now. So I think it has deepened things and allowed even more vulnerability. Again, that lovely word. This has allowed me to be more vulnerable even with myself. And so that that's going to have a knock-on effect with relationships and holding that with others and being that with others as well. Mm, yeah, I totally agree because I just feel if we don't understand ourselves, how can we possibly understand where other people are coming from? And mm. the deeper we connect to ourselves, the deeper we can, can connect to others because it brings up a lot more compassion, a lot more empathy yeah. rather than judgment, you know, rather than judgment, annoyance, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. because I'm really starting to understand on a different level how when we get annoyed by other people that it is a mirror mm. of something within ourselves no matter how much we try to say it's not yeah it's something within mm. us you know um sometimes that could be so dark we don't want to see but like it's um yeah i totally agree that connection to self is um it's just where it all starts like if there is anybody listening um hopefully I, someone's listening <laughs> <laughs> if there's anybody out there <laughs> no, but, uh, but um it does just come down to like 
I find for me, I used to just get so overwhelmed by fixing f- fucked up relationships with people or all these kind of things. It's like, oh, there's so much for me to do on this healing journey or this journey, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, but it's, there's not. Yeah. It's just find something that works to allow you to be present with yourself. That gives you that space to allow emotions to come up where you're not hiding, where you can just allow them to be there, allow yourself to feel them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like what Yvonne was talking about there with the, the fact that you've, you've done a lot of the work already, like with the mindset stuff and all that. But I think a lot of people don't even realize how, how much stuff is stored in the body and that deeper, like sure. Same as myself. I didn't realize how much pain I had down there. I was like, I'm grand. But once you actually go into the body, all that stuff is just from years, obviously stored yeah. up in the body. And I, I can nearly see it in people now today. Mm-hmm. And it, it is that word compassion, which I've been kind of thinking about the last week, actually, it means with suffering. So you can nearly be with other people's suffering. You can nearly see it mm. in their eyes. They're so oblivious to it because they think, you know, logically I'm fine. My head, like you mentally have, you know, figured everything out, but their body is, you can, it's nearly screaming for you to listen to them, to their suffering because their pain is still there. And I just think we're so caught in the mind in today's society. I think it is shifting, but mm. so many people obviously are still caught in that, you know, mental construct that they are so disconnected from their bodies and that pain that's deep um so it's kind of and you see people i sound like i'm preaching here i'm not perfect either i go around obviously agitated at times but you can see people just going around like you know agitated and aggressive and snappy and given out by others and it's like as Daryl said it's, that's just that reflection of themselves and that pain um yeah. so it's yeah, it's such a powerful the breath for me as well, it's such a powerful tool just to tap into those, that body, that emotional body. Um, and at the minute, for me, it's just a lot of shaking. I don't, like I can breathe like two breaths and I'm vibrating, like just <laughs> shaking. I don't know what that, that means. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it's huge. I think, yeah, what you're saying there, like, and it's nobody's fault that we're walking around or that a lot of us are walking around holding on mm. to so much because every are so disconnected because everything in today's society is there to disconnect you mm. nearly nearly everything um and that's why like it's thrown around so much now i'll oh, get into nature but it the reason is i find sorry my belief on the reason is because you're away from this newfound society, it's as close as we can get back to what was there once before, before all technology, before, even before there was agricultural societies, you know, back, back when we were hunter gatherers, our mate Wayne that always talks Mm. about this, who we mentioned earlier, back to then, like that's as close as we can get back is by going out and sitting in the forest around the fire and you have none or very little external influence and even that for one hour can just mm. allow you to think clearly because yeah. if you're in walking around the city or that it's just like Cormac said there it's just everyone's energy just the intensity all bouncing around because it's so far from from natural 
to what humans would have been experiencing at one point in life. And that's why whatever nature it is, just a little bit of time, a little bit of time, find what works. I always see Vaughn, you spend a lot of time on some forest walk. <laughs> yeah. That's it, finding that place, finding that place that, that brings you that bit of peace, finding that modality that you can use daily that brings you that bit of clarity. Um, and it don't have to be, doesn't have to be a whole change in life. It's just, it's just, it can be an hour. It can be five minutes. It's just yeah. something to pull you out of that. Um, today's society of go, 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 work, grow, and even getting stuck in that in the, the mm. spiritual realm of things as well. People get stuck in wanting to be somebody, wanting to, mm. to get somewhere, wanting to know all this information. And it's like, again, comes back to, Tune in with yourself. Stop trying to be somebody else because that's usually what that comes down to. Mm-hmm. Wanting what do people have. I've had some massive realizations of that recently. Um, that I'm walking my own path. Nobody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote a poem about it. Share sometime. But like, um, yeah. And like the pressure that we put on ourselves to be mm-hmm. other people, to be yeah. what we see on social media. And everybody, I think, does fall into that trap at some stage. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. Just becoming aware of it and maybe even admitting to yourself if that's what you're doing. Mm. You know, I had to do that and it was fucking hard to do. Mm. It's like, no, I don't do that. But it's like, yeah, you do. (laughs) 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 And like, even that then, and I probably still will at times, but now I'm more aware of it. So that I can be like, no, you don't need to be doing that. You know, the theme of this, I suppose, is coming back to yourself. Yes. I feel. And yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying, like even getting into nature, it is coming back to what we really are. Like we are nature. And I think what drives mental health or any of the issues that we tend to experience, it's disconnection. For me, it was disconnection from a sense of identity. For a lot of us, it is feeling like we're disconnected. Shame is the fear of disconnection. So when like shame is highly correlated with things like alcohol, addiction, eating disorders, all of those things. And when we're disconnected, we will do anything to try and regain that sense of connection, even if it means harming ourselves or being destructive or bypassing our values because we want to belong. We're always trying to find that sense of connection. I think we're looking for it in a lot of the time, the places that we think it's going to be because that's where everyone else seems to be looking for it. But like that, that's not where it truly is. I think it is within ourselves and from that place of reconnecting within ourselves, then we can connect to others because then we're kind of aligned with them. They can see us because we're being ourselves. Whereas if we're trying to be something we're not all the time, we're never going to be truly connected. We're just going to be trying to find our way because we're on a path that's not even ours. And so the people who are trying to find us, they're looking on our path where we have left like a long time ago, we've gone somewhere else. So I think it is, it always comes back to connecting to who we are like that, getting out into nature, connecting to what we're part of as well, like the bigger picture and seeing there's so much more than just the daily stuff or the ticking boxes or the all the things yeah like just when you're speaking I was just picturing people just rushing around and everyone just like why are we doing this like what are we doing here right now just just doing things just doing a lot where coming back to being and really being connected to that sense of here now I think that's where the magic is and that's where we are like the truth of who we are that's where we're hanging out and we keep missing that by going off to do all the stuff mm-hmm. And we're just, yeah, we're tend to just chase, <laughs> just chasing <laughs> pleasure, running away from pain instead of allowing ourselves to be present. But uh, I was going to say something. Yeah. So we were talking about like nature and um, Daryl was away there, but me and Yvonne and Nathan, we did a workshop in um, 
in the woods with Wolf Academy for the first time. That was really mm. cool. Um, and a friend, Carlo, came down to help out, actually. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He was home to help out. He was in my dream last night. <laughs> anyway, you send him the podcast. just triggered that. To get, go on. Go um, but yeah, I, how do you, I suppose, how did you find the doing it in the woods and how do you see um, Wolf Academy's role maybe in the future? Because I suppose our mission, as we just, what we we're talking about there is help people connect with and become their true selves. Um, so I suppose we've talked about this, but maybe how would you like to um, see the the growth of Wolf Academy over the next few years? I think it will be a lot more of that kind of thing, getting out of the classroom and getting into like that nature or places where we can connect, doing things a little bit differently. I feel like it's always going to be part of um, how we do things. But I think it is like that day was magic. It was just beautiful. It was so gorgeous. And it was interesting, like even the students are being like, oh, I haven't been off my phone this long and I don't know when or it's only when I'm asleep or things like that. And it's like they're actually together and they were laughing and they were connecting with nature. They were picking up different things in the forest or they were just being there and being present. And I think this is what's missing. And I think a lot of our conditioning bypasses this we just skip through that and it's like oh no you need to do these things you need to go on to this and you need to be you know following the rules and getting things done and doing your exams or things like that but it's like what about the joy or the fun or that spark in each other to connect and to be having a laugh like without you know having to post about it online straight away I think it's going to become more and more important for young people to find that sense of connecting not just with each other but with nature as well and to be in these kind of environments that supports them and they're thriving because I think it's very unnatural a lot of like the concrete blocks that we sit in or the way that we do things sitting down or like there's so much that we're doing that is unnatural and I think part of our role is unlearning some of these ways that haven't been conducive to optimal living and reintroducing or reconnecting to what actually serves our nature and what actually serves people's flourishing or human flourishing or those kind of things so I think it is going to continue expanding in that way things like retreats and coming away from the classroom and connecting in these ways because I remember when I was like so in my head like around that age I didn't care about like like my dad's always been really into birds I didn't care about birds I didn't care about would be on a hill walk I just wanted to go home or I wasn't letting myself be there and I didn't care about any of it and so how could I feel good if I felt like I was living in a world that I didn't even care about or I wasn't connected to so I think the more that they start appreciating what's around them and their environment and even things like knowing the names of trees and stuff I feel like that's so important because this is part of the earth that we live on and if we can connect to them and see the living beings that we share this planet with we might respect it a lot more I think it's easy to not care about stuff or consume loads of stuff when we're completely disconnected with the impact that we have and the impact that we create and what that's doing to the home that we want to live on so I think that's going to become more and more prevalent in our work and I think on a bigger picture just connecting to the earth to the planet even to our history even to our nation like just these different things that I feel like just aren't maybe being connected to or shared or educated maybe in as big a sense that I feel like it would be important to bring it back to definitely yeah I think that connection is just as like technology speeds up it's like we need to slow people down as well because yeah. That's just going to be needed more and more. So I think, yeah, definitely more stuff out in nature and retreats is seems to be the way that like we're being pulled almost or like being pushed out of the classroom. Still can do like workshops in the classroom, obviously, but yeah. um, 
bringing them out to nature more just gives them that deeper and as you said it doesn't have to be like and daryl you said it the other day it's like we don't have to teach them loads of things mm. we can just get them being in nature and being present and like mm. you said as well you want allow that unfolding to happen mm. um and i think i i said before too that like i see our jobs as like half teachers and half gardeners just to like create that fertile so fertile soil so they can grow naturally into who they are um mm. just giving them that space away from the phones away from the mm -hmm. judgments of everyone else and just dropping in and just experiencing that joy and fun and like that's all we really wanted to do with the workshop we obviously did a few things but like we wanted to give them an experience where they walked away and mean like fuck i really enjoyed that and i might you know want to go back there and go back and just sit around the fire and talk and what you know have a laugh so disconnect so yeah and that and that's why outside of the classroom is the way forward yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to go in nothing there wrong nothing wrong with the, yeah 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 literally <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's nothing against the school or the classroom but the school and the classroom is what it is and it's not a fertile ground for that no yeah like it, it's not good soil for that it's good soil for something else <laughs> <laughs> What's good for? no 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 it is it is it still obviously has massive benefits. factory workers yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but it does like it suits people there's yeah. certain people that yeah. it suits and there's certain people it doesn't it's like everything in life and that's why trying to box everyone into that category doesn't work yeah. nobody's fault that's just been passed down through the last couple of hundred years um i think but <laughs> <laughs> covering our asses there but um yeah I, and look Yvonne if anybody was wanting to reach out because you do one-on-one -on -one work with people um so if you want to maybe elaborate a bit on what's involved in that and how people could reach out because i'm sure some people listening to this are going to be quite curious so yeah um so i do one-to-one -one work um kind of generally the topics that would come up are developing self-confidence overcoming anxiety dealing with eating distress body image issues those kind of things as well i have gotten certified in eating disorder recovery and I think really what it comes down to for a lot of my clients is not caring so much about what other people think and feeling free to be your true authentic self. I think that's really what we're working on at the end of the day. And these other things are ways of finding our way there. So one-to-one -one work, it can take place online or in person here in Leaksip. And you can find me at dare to live SOS on Instagram, dare to live coaching.com on the internet and dare to live coaching at gmail.com. If you want to pop me an email, you'd be more than welcome. Or even if anything comes up throughout this, that you've questions on, or you're not sure about, I'd be more than happy to have a chat or share more, even jump on a call and just chat a few things through. So don't hesitate to reach out if you feel the need. Thanks very much, Yvonne. You literally said the name you said a line there and i was like that's the name of this podcast uh -huh. <laughs> i can't check what time it is though <laughs> <laughs> but um we'll put all your details in the in the description anyway yeah yeah we'll add them all in there but uh yeah, thanks again yvonne for um coming on and for everything you've done over the last you know year and a half or more two years maybe um it's been a pleasure working with you and yeah, absolute pleasure getting to know you honestly yeah, so uh, this is only again. There's we're no, only getting started. Yeah, there's no um, absolute pleasure doesn't do it justice. What I keeps realizing lately is sometimes words, I don't know, they they can't express mm. fully what you want to say, and then there's no need to even to have a word for it. 
We'll end with no words. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Just> end. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Yvonne, and we'll you. chat to you soon. Thanks, Sweet. Yvonne. Chat to you soon. Thank thanks you. so much for having me on.